0: I have no doubt that Shakespeare, like many learned men of his day, knew the Scripture. But when he asked the question, what's in a name, he was not looking for a biblical answer. He was really more anxious to affirm that a rose by any name is a rose. Had he consulted the Scripture, the answer would have been different. The answer would come screaming at him and saying, Everything about the person is in his name. And I was thinking about how now, these days, in our culture, how young parents really think long and hard about naming their children. I've watched, and and how this almost traumatic experience, and, and then they keep it a secret, and they want to don't tell anybody until the baby's born. And I think this generation just loves drama. But this is just an old man's bias. (laughs) Very few people really name their children with the thought in mind that this is the character, this is the person we want them to grow to be. And then I came across a massive study that was conducted by Tulane University about the importance of a name here in our culture in the West. And it says that names, even in the West, impact a child's future. They said that a name can impact a child's performance at school, that a child's name can impact future relationships. It impacts impact their future period. When I read about how a name can really impact a child's academic and school progress, I wish that I had known that when I was a school student. That would have really helped me when I'm flunking school. My parents named me Michel. Who would name their son Michel unless in France? But that's what they did. But at the age of 21, I had to change it. I know if I knew about this thing about Tulane University study, I would have milked this thing for all it's worth. Every time I flunked school, I said, you see, it's not my fault you named me (laughs) Michel. Today, there are books in the market. Help parents pick a name choose a name for their children, but they're not based on the characteristics that the parents want to see in their children. There are others who even have a sense of humor in naming their children. I don't recommend it. It's a bad idea. I read about this Indian chief. His name was Running Water, and so when he had two girls, he named one cold and the other one hot. And then he had a boy. So he named him Luke Warm. <laughs> but thousands of years before Shakespeare asked the question, what's in a name? The Bible said everything is writing on a name. Thousands of years Before Tulane University publishing their massive landmark study, the Bible said that a child's future characteristics are riding on his name. In fact, that is precisely why the Lord changed the names of many of his servants in order to give them a new name that would represent the purpose and the mission that God has for them. And that is why you see Abraham became Abraham, and Sarai became Sarah, and uh, Jacob became Israel, and Simon became Peter, and Saul became Paul. But when it comes to the all-important name, Jesus, everything is riding on that name. And that is why they don't want to hear it in public. I think they know more than some of the believers do. They really do. And because of who Jesus is, the eternal Son of God, His name did not need to be changed halfway through, but was given to Him by His Father, by His heavenly Father, by His real Father. Why? Because the name Jesus is so important to all of humanity because the name Jesus is vitally important for the future of the human race, because the name Jesus is so important for His mission and here on earth and His dying on a cross. Above all, because the name Jesus is vitally important to God the Father in heaven. Jesus coexisted with Him before eternity. And that is why God the Father Himself has to name Him. Nobody else named Him. God the Father did. And to be sure, Jesus had many descriptive names. And most of us know them. They are familiar to us. He's the Christ, or the uniquely anointed one, or He is the Son of God denoting His divinity, His absolute divinity that He's been there, the Creator of the world before all world began. Then He is the Son of Man because that very God of very God became man in a human flesh. But the name of Jesus, the name Jesus, is what He's all about. Uh, All the descriptive names are great, and they describe Him, but Jesus is the all-important name because it means that He and He alone is the only Savior. He is the one who saves, or God saves. It means that without Jesus, there can be no salvation. Without Jesus, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Without Jesus, there can be no peace with God. Without Jesus, there can be no peace among people. Without Jesus, there can be no eternal life in heaven. That is why His name is everything about him. It was Jesus' real Father who gave him his name, Jesus. Because Jesus did not have an earthly father like you and me. Because Jesus conceived supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was born of a pure virgin. And therefore, only God the Father could have named his Son. Only his Father could have given him the name Yeshua. Can you say that with me? Yeshua means God saves. Someone will say, well, anybody can call themselves Savior. Anybody can take that name on themselves. Oh, you see, God knew that. (laughs) And that is why in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the angel Gabriel, after he said, you name him Jesus, he goes on to say, because he shall save his people from their sins. You see, God knew there's going to be a knucklehead theologian somewhere in the 21st century who's going to come around and say, he's not the Savior, he's a Savior. God knew that the Jews are going to see him as the Savior from the Roman oppression. God knew that some socialists out there somewhere are going to see him as a Savior from what they consider to be economic oppression or injustice. God knew that some people are going to see Him as Savior, namely, to give them what they want or what they need. God knew that some would get carried away with His birth, and ignore His message and His mission. God knew that many would celebrate Christmas without the Christ, the Jesus of the Christmas. And so, He defined the meaning of Jesus, the name Jesus. He and He alone shall save His people from their sins. Think with me for a moment. Just think for a moment of how each succeeding year, the extreme commercialism of Christmas is getting worse and worse and worse. I heard somebody on the other day on the news were complaining because, you know, people make it too much religion involved in Christmas. Everyone celebrates Christmas their way. Everybody has their own idea what Christmas is. Was it about? And that is why God the Father said through the Archangel Gabriel, "You shall call His name what? Jesus. For He shall save His people from their sins." Not long ago, I was talking to an unbeliever who thinks of himself, "I'm okay." And uh, I said, "You know, Jesus will save you from your sins." He said, "Let me stop you right here. I'm not a sinner. I've never killed anybody." never robbed a bank, never stole. I am not a sinner. I don't need salvation. I'm okay. I'm a good man. I said, well, thank you for sharing this with me because that gave me an opportunity to explainify to him what the Bible said about the root of sin. A lot of people think they're good people running around and saying, I'm good, I'm good. They don't understand that we all born with a root system of sin inside of us. We've inherited it from our first parents. (laughs) We're all born with that root system. We're all born with our backs to God we all born wanting to live our lives our way. We're all born wanting to be the captains of our ship. We're all born wanting to decide for ourselves, not God, what is right and what is wrong. Never mind what God said. I'll decide what's right and what's wrong. And as I explain all this to him, and I explain how the root of sin is something, the core of sin, the essence of sin is something with which we are born, every one of us. We've inherited the seed from our first parents he said, I need to think about that. Not one of us escaped the truth system. Not one, except Jesus. Listen to me. (laughs) The fact that some people produce more fruit from that root system makes no difference to God. Whether you produce a lot fruit of sin or less fruit makes no The Bible said one sin or a thousand sins are all the same to God. <laughs> and that is why the Savior had to be born without sin. And that is why the Savior had to live His life, all of it, 33 and one-third of it, without sin. And that is why the Savior had to be sinless. And that is The only way He can save us from our sin. If I'm in debt, somebody in a bigger debt than me can help me. No, I need somebody who has no debt, who can afford to help me. And because we're all born with that debt of sin, Jesus was born sinless, so He may deliver us from our sin. Hear me right, please. In God's eyes, all of the fruit of sin, whether it's huge or small, big or small— In God's eye... There is no white lie and a big lie. In God's eye, we all sinners. One sin or a thousand sin. It's only the fruit of that root system. It is that inherited gene that produces that sin which Jesus came to save us from. You see, it is that root system inside of us. It is that root system that can only be eradicated by a sinless Savior. It is that root system that can only be dug up and tossed out by a sinless Savior. It is that root system that can only be eliminated by Jesus. It is that root system that can only be forgiven by Jesus. It is that root system that can only be washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is that root system that is so deep that only a perfect, sinless, righteous God-man can remove it from us and set us free. Amen. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not about jingle bells and and presents and trees and food and family. Fine as these things may be, but they tend to cloud the real reason for why we celebrate Christmas. It is about God the Son coming down from heaven, living as, in the, poor, as the poorest of the poor, and then dying on a criminal's cross in order to save us as the perfect sacrifice, because any blemish sacrifice, anyone with one sin would not have worked. Only a sinless sacrifice had to be placed before God's justice. Then He rose again with power of His omnipotence on the third day, so that He may give everyone who repents and trust Him with their life eternal life with Him. Forgiveness of sins, guilt-free life, eternal life with him in heaven but then I thought there may be someone here today who would say, "You know I, I really, when you come to think about it, if i 'm honest with myself i 'm really tired of this root system of sin controlling my life. I am really tired of." of trying to do my best and then failing again and again. I'm really tired of trying to control my life, and and I keep losing that control. I'm tired of trying to do the right thing. I find myself taking one step forward and two steps backward, and, and I'm tired of that. If that's you, you came to the right person. His name is Yeshua, and He can save you from your sins. But then, as someone may Say, well, how do I recognize the truth system in my life, day in and day out, and all the relationships and all my work? How do I recognize the truth system? You asked a great question. Let me answer it. <laughs> Have you ever been tempted to tell a white lie, and then another lie, and then another lie, and before long you found yourself to be a habitual liar? You see, that is the fruit of that root system. Do you ever get tempted to cheat, and then you cheat some more, and then you cheat some more, you become a habitual cheater? You see, that is the fruit of that root system. Uh, Have you ever been tempted to be so angry and seething with anger that you want somebody dead? That is the fruit of that root system. Do you face sexual lusts, and then you start giving in to these lusts? and these temptations, and then it becomes easier and easier and easier as the days go by to fall in these temptations of lusts. You see, that is the fruit of that root system. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever been tempted to steal from your employer? Maybe in the beginning just small things, little things, and then they get bigger and bigger and bigger things. That is the fruit of the root system. Do you get the point? Every time you say to yourself, you know, I am really going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to make a new year's resolution this time, and I'm going to really stick with it. I'm going to do a new start, restart. Then within weeks and maybe days, you find yourself in worse position. Why? Because sin has power. Don't ever underestimate the power of sin. The Bible said sin is extremely sinful. There is power in sin. And that power is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than all of us. And that power of sin needs someone much bigger than sin to crush it. And that person is Jesus. That is why the God the Father said, He will save His people and He alone and the only one who can save us from sin your sin and mine, you shall call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sin. Now, I have a question for you. Which sins are we talking about, the root system or the fruit, the whole enchilada? You see, when He saves, He saves to the uttermost. He saves you eternally, He doesn't save you just for today. He doesn't save you just for this year. He doesn't save you just for this lifetime. He saves you now for the rest of your life and for eternity. God does a complete job. (laughs) He doesn't do a half job. Not only that, but if you don't allow Him to come and save you and deliver you from that root of sin and the fruit of sin, that root system with its fruit are going to keep on growing, is going to keep on growing until it chokes you into eternity without Christ, a Christless eternity, a Christless eternity. And that is why he said, you shall call his name Jesus because he alone can deliver us from that sin and the consequences and the wages and the reward of sin. Or punishment of sin, He alone can save His people. Not being saved by Jesus, the Savior, the only Savior, is going to lead you to a terrifying eternity. Listen carefully, please, because I have no other message. I've got nothing to sell you. I only have one message, and it started 40-plus years ago, and will continue to the day I go and be with Jesus. Only one message. Only one message. Only one desire is that you be delivered from your sin and the consequences of your sin. Without being delivered from sin, you're going to spend your eternity in a terrifying place. I make no apologies of talking about a place called hell. Jesus never apologized for it. And he described it with clarity. He described it in a clear but terrifying way. And I'm not going to apologize, because hell is a real place. And the reason I weep is because real people are going to go there. I wish nobody would go there. Imagine spending your forever with some of those ISIS people, the terrorists, and, and those kind of evil, wicked people. The Bible described that place as dark and empty and bottomless, painful, full of torment. Moment by moment, why risk your eternity? Why risk your eternity? When you can call upon the One whose name is Jesus, so that He may save you today and forever. Now, here's a fact. Those who refuse Jesus and the salvation that He offers cannot truly say Merry Christmas. Oh, a lot of people say Merry Christmas. They don't even know what they say. They think they're saying Merry Christmas because they got a big fat bonus, or because of this, or because of that. But for them, that's not really a Merry Christmas at all. They wouldn't understand. To have a Merry Christmas is to know the salvation that Christ of Christmas can give you today. What's in the name? Everything when it comes to Jesus. But you notice something else. The angel did not say he will save God's people from their sin. You notice that? Do you know why? They said God's people would have been immediately limit salvation to the Jews. They're God's people. It would limit limited to them. Although Jesus said, I came to my own, and his own received him not. They reject him. But nonetheless... The salvation that Jesus brought first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. If he says He came because His name is Jesus, for He is going to save God's people from their sin, that would have limited His salvation. But God said, He shall save His people. Who are His people? (laughs) Everyone who comes to Him becomes His people. Everyone who accepts His invitation for forgiveness of sins and eternal life is His people. Everyone who repents of their sins and says, Father, I cannot save myself, Jesus save me, becomes His people. Everyone who receives Him as their only Savior and Lord is His people. You are His people. Are you His people? If you cannot definitively say that today, you can. You can pray and receive the forgiveness of Jesus and receive Him as your only Savior and Lord of your life and a Master of your life and, and the One who blesses your life. You can come to Him today and become His people. Oh, you'll be glad you did. I tell you, in all the years of all my travels all over the globe and meeting, I've never met one who says, you know, I became a Christian Ten years ago, five years ago, whatever. I've been regretting it ever since. (laughs) You never will. You never will. Your gratitude to God grows day by day by day by day. Let me share this with you. On December 21, 1988, Pan Am airline was blown by Libyan terrorists over Lockerbie, Scotland, and all the passengers met their death. The plane was filled with university students from Syracuse University in New York. There have been studies abroad, and they're returning home for Christmas. A few days later, as I followed that news, I saw an interview with one of the students who was supposed to be on that flight, but she missed it. She was late, and she missed it. And she's being interviewed, and as she was grieved and bereaved over the loss of her friends. Here's what she said to the interviewer. I used to believe that I am in control of my life. I used to believe that I'm in control of my destiny, that I'm in control of my future. After this event, all that's changed now. I remember sitting there literally talking to the television. I said, why does it have to take a tragedy like this to realize that thinking that you're in control of your life is a mirage. Our deepest need on this Christmas season is to surrender to the Jesus of Christmas. Surrender to Him. Today I pray that if there's anyone here who thinks that they are in control of their life, they are in charge of living in that mirage, that that they would hand over control of their life to Jesus. Gladly. Surrender to Him. Not only you'll be saved now, the rest of your life, but for all eternity. He will not only forgive you now, but He's going to give you power over sin. There's not an honest believer, whether it's a pastor or a congregation, that will not tell you that without the power of Jesus, we fail again and again. But with His power, we overcome sin Doesn't mean we become perfect, but we have power over sin. And to top it all, you get assurance of eternal life in heaven with Him.